0: Yay. Hey. Hey, Chloe. Amazing, full house. Woo. (laughs) Perfect. So let's kick off. Hello everybody and welcome to The Future Is, an amazing talk series hosted by Eco Resolution and Napa Puri aimed to spotlight and celebrate organizations and change makers who are working to build a happier and healthier future. Today's talk is called The Future is Compassionate, and we're gonna be exploring this with some amazing guests. I'm Gemma Finch, CEO and founder of Stories Behind Things, and I have the pleasure of hosting today's conversation. So, today we're talking all about compassion, what it is, why it's important when we're looking to build a happier and healthier future. We'll look at the role of compassion in our daily lives and how each of us can be using compassion when we're making decisions. and also how humans are not only capable of preventing ecological disaster that we're also capable of using and channeling compassion to build this happier and healthier vision of the world that we all want to see. Um, Compassion can be seen through many different lenses like social justice, general kindness, human stories, animal welfare and these are a couple of the areas that we'll all be talking about this evening. So without further ado, I would love to come to each of our guests today just to introduce yourself, the work that you do and how compassion is seen through your your daily work. Uh, Aditi, I'd love to come to you first, then Alice, then Chloe.
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Aditi Meyer. I'm based out of Los Angeles, and I'm a sustainable fashion blogger, photojournalist, and labor rights activist. And essentially, my work explores the intersections between style, sustainability, and social justice. Um, I had my start in this space in 2014 after learning about the Rana Plaza factory collapse, uh, which for those that are not familiar, was an eight-story garment factory in Bangladesh. And when Rana Plaza collapsed, it had a few different implications. For one, it was the biggest industrial disaster of our time. But I think it also brought to light the realities of a system predicated on speed at all costs, um, even human lives. And so I think for me, compassion in that moment really was grounded in understanding the root of the issue, how we allowed something like Rana Plaza to take place. And so since then, fast forward to the last, what, seven, eight years, um, my work is really looking at The root of the issue, whether it's fashion or the the larger environmental movement that's been rooted in very colonial ideals that come at the sacrifice of both people, the planet, culture. Um, And I think it's really important to ground our compassion within historical social context um, to really make sure that we are helping the communities we seek out um, to help. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Amazing. Thanks so much for sharing. And Alice, tell us a little bit about what you do and how Compassion plays a part in that.
2: Um, Hi, everyone. So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Chloe. Um, I'm a documentary photographer and filmmaker, and um, it's interesting hearing about Aditi's kind of wake up or turning point moment. For me, it was um, at the height of the European refugee crisis in 2015. Um, when, you know, huge numbers of Syrian refugees were coming due to the civil war there. Uh, And I decided to get involved and start to volunteer and ultimately document the crisis, which is something that I've dedicated my work to. Um, I didn't, the, the link to climate, which is something that now I focus so much of my work on, wasn't obvious to me immediately whatsoever, but very quickly it made me understand uh, this, the extent to which this is such an intersectional issue. Um, I learned that um, climate change is going to cause the biggest mass migration in history so if I cared about everything that I'd seen, the people that I'd met documenting the refugee crisis, um, I had to care about this umbrella issue which was going to exacerbate so many other social justice issues. Um, at the heart of my work is my passion for storytelling. And I guess that's where compassion comes in. I, however, naively or passionately believe in the power of storytelling to build bridges, to build empathy and to connect us. If I think about the sort of sickness at the heart of so many of the issues we're facing, it's a sense or a feeling of otherness. And I really passionately believe in, in the ability of storytelling, good storytelling, um, to, to overcome that. So compassion for me um, is, has to be a thread that runs through my storytelling. Um, and as you said Gemma at the start, it has to be about envisioning about a world that of course we are absolutely capable of creating.
0: Amazing, thanks. And Chloe, what kind of work do
3: you do and, and how do you feel like compassion runs through that? Okay, um, hi <laughs> everyone. My name is Chloe Assam, I'm a designer. Uh, But I also run programs uh, for the OR Foundation in Accra. And it's really nice to meet you all brave women who in your little corners of the world are advocating and fighting to to make things better. Um, Now the OR stands for choice and it speaks to working in solidarity with each other in envisioning and actually building holistic alternatives in contrast to what we all know, the fashion model that's dominant right now that hurts and then uh, exploit people and planet. Um, just as uh, you were speaking about intersectionality, came to my mind that we actually do that. We work at an intersection of environmental justice, education, and fashion, and it's, it's com- compassion that runs through all of these things with our approach. Um, um, we are registered as a charity in U- US and in Ghana, and we've been working between both since 2009, So we run a variety of programs. So what we're known for right now is the Dead um, White Man's Clothes Project, which explores the nuances of the secondhand clothing market in Accra. And uh, we take a deep dive into the compound impacts of fast fashion access in um, the market ecosystem. That's it. I have an exercise for all of us to just sit with uh, ourselves for a a second, if we have. Um to so just imagine what fashion excess looks like for you, and then compound that into numerous like um, volumes, and then imagine that in your lawn or in your backyard, and and see how you feel when you think about that. I think that's where compassion plays. Um, and imagine not having recourse to do anything about it, and I think that's where compassion, you know, takes place. And um, this is um, having stuff dumped in your backyard is really reality for a lot of communities um who work in service for counterment from the women who carry to um the men and the women who try to salvage the pieces of clothing that come in, in the bales every week so yeah that's it for me thank you
0: thank you for sharing yeah that visualization is really powerful i think sometimes just imagining that you're in somebody else's shoes or imagining a different scenario really helps sort of bring that home. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, yeah. Thank you. Editi. Um, your work intersects social justice with sustainability. And I'd love for you to share with us some examples of how you feel like compassion is key to the work that you do and how you intersect these different areas of sustainability that you're really passionate about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think to start, you know, the idea of compassion, having empathy for other struggles and wanting to do something about it is an inclination that a lot of folks in the environmental movement already have to be in this space. Um, And there's a line that I often say that understanding the interconnected nature of oppression helps us realize the interconnected nature of liberation. And I think that's really Mm. important. Um, And I think, you know, when talking about compassion, it's incredibly important for me to ground our compassion in decentering ourselves. Because when we hear about these major issues that are happening in the world, I feel like the knee-jerk reaction is, what can I do to make a difference? But oftentimes, it's centered around, you know, a knee-jerk reaction of making ourselves feel good, rather than really taking a step back and questioning, what do these communities need? And how can I Mm -hmm. be of service there? Mm. Um, And I say that because when we're talking about examples within the environmental movement, we also have to understand that the entire edifice of the environmental movement, especially in the West, has often come with the erasure of Indigenous communities, of this very colonial binary where you have this idea of pure wilderness and nature that we need to protect, but not including people within that movement. Um, And so, yeah, compassion needs to be grounded in that. And so compassion, I think, goes hand in hand when, with interrogating power structures. Um, and I think throughout history, we can see a lot of examples where there was a lot of ego involved within saving a certain community. And we see that all the time, right? Whether it's this white savior complex and parachuting into a community without having the historical or cultural knowledge, or even looking back at history, you know, um, I had to note here from an article that I had written that, you know, there was this idea of the doctrine of discovery in Europe from the Catholic Church, which basically gave justification to European explorers to assume control over the lands held by indigenous nations on the basis that the discoverer could deem an inhabitant's life as, you know, inadequate according to arbitrary standards. And so I don't know if I'm, you know, I feel like I'm going off on a tangent, but I think it's really important to ground our compassion in these understandings, because something that I've seen is good intentions don't always result Mm. in good outcomes if we don't have that understanding from the start. And so I think that's really important to ground our environmental work in true social justice.
0: Absolutely. And I think really interesting me what you said earlier about how you first came into the space. I mean, it sounds like you came into the space purely out of a feeling of empathy and compassion. So do you feel like that is just so heavily rooted in, in everything that you do that, I guess it's just very intertwined, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it was a phase, right? Or not a phase, like it was a phase one is compassion is to have that um, based, baseline, um, you know, need to help the issue. And I think a lot of the growth that I've experienced is to decenter the self and thinking about this from a systemic perspective. Um, so the impact that I want to do is not coming at the sacrifice of others, people's way of living or cultures. And so I think it's an ongoing journey. And everything I'm saying, I think, for someone who is kind of entering the environmental space can be scary because there's this fear of messing up. But I think a key part of being an ally is embracing the fact that you will mess up at some point. Mm-hmm. But that um you know journey for inspiring and doing good shouldn't paralyze you but it's important to have these groundings in our work because it's not talked about enough in my opinion
0: i totally agree and and i think so often people feel if they feel they're going to do the wrong thing they don't take that first step so i think it's it's really important that you're encouraging people to just try and and see where you get and progress over perfection every day mm. um Chloe, I'd love to come to you so that we can learn a bit more about um, your amazing awe foundation, how compassion is rooted right in the center of, of what you do and just you share with us you know, what, what you're doing in that area.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. Um, like I said before, compassion is how we lead and how we act usually, uh, mostly to be, to be honest. We, I came into the aura um, starting from where I'm at, asking myself certain questions. Um, like Aditi was saying, like, what can I do to help? But also st- take a step back so that you are not, uh, you know, sort of uh, doing that at the expense of others, you know, like trying to make yourself feel good or, you know, um, sort of uh, justify certain things um, at the expense of others. Um, so it's 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 really culture on our team to really approach everything with compassion and our approach to the Caillou who carry heavy bills from like a uh, um 100 uh pounds to 200 uh pounds um for like a kilometer for very little money it takes compassion to um feel how how they feel in terms of the actual weight and uh, the burdens that have drove them from wherever they are uh to come and do this work um it's 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 really key to understand that um, often, these women do not have voices, and they, 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 they come here for various reasons, whether it's for school and um, for a better life. Um, and it's, it's, it takes compassion, and knowing that there's something wrong somewhere, this is an injustice, that they don't have the, the same um, access as, as, as I have or as you have. There's something, there's a power imbalance, and that can be laid at the helm of Many of the injustices that um, women face um, um, so yeah it's, 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 it's culture for us to to lead with compassion in every approach, from the Ky to the retailers in Kansamantu and talking to them and working in solidarity with them to find solutions to your problems, sitting with them, engaging with them, and um, again putting your ego aside and being really um, uh, working in service to them and not um, as a like you said before, like a savior complex, trying to, you know, um, um, do something, but then you mess up. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's really important for us.
0: It sounds like such a key part of what you do to, to take yourself out of the question and to actually think, what do these women need? And mm-hmm. then to put that first, um, what does the future of the Orl Foundation look like? You know, what, what do you hope that it is sort of built into in the future?
3: Um, one of the things that we, we really talk about is that we don't really hear and we envision happening, people starting to talk about a bit more, is um, redistribution of wealth and power. It's, again, at the helm of all the injustices that we see on the ground. It's because of access, of poverty, of exploitation, which um, the dominant fashion, build, uh, fashion model is built on from taking and taking and not replenishing or not even thinking in a holistic way. Um, so we're envisioning um, more action and um, yeah, a bit more solidarity in general in many parts of the supply chain to uh, spearheading and crafting a really holistic um, um, model that we can all thrive on
0: incredible and the foundation is part of this new future so it's exciting to hear that you really are helping build the future that you see and having compassion at the center of that um, Alice I'd love to come to you and ask you about your work in storytelling I know that your work revolves around storytelling as the main you know feature of what you do you tell stories um, but I'd love to hear sort of a couple of pieces of information about how compassion has recently come into your stories, maybe recently. Um, And then sort of on the back of that, I'd love to ask for your opinion on how you see brands having an impact with compassion at the center. You know, we all know that brands are not the be all and end all of this conversation, but they do have the potential to play an enormous role in, in changing the way that we do things. So yeah, I'd love to ask you those two questions.
2: I couldn't agree more. I think that brands uh, not only have huge power in this space, but they have a massive responsibility as a result. Um, And I guess, you know, I started by saying, I believe in the the potential and the power of storytelling to do good, but I also know that it has massive potential to do harm, negative stereotyping, perpetuation of stereotypes. Um, uh, And I guess from a brand perspective, we've seen that really in the way that um, brands have, told us the stories that they want they wanted us to hear they've imagined worlds um, that is part of, of, of brands cultural storytelling and I think in a way that has misled us and it has disconnected us from the people and processes the reality behind the veil of these industries um, I also think when we think about compassion and storytelling we need to really contextualize Like, who has been given the platform to tell stories? Who have we excluded? And Aditi contextualized that so well. I think particularly within the climate movement, it was like, who was telling stories and who should be telling stories? It should be those who are living on the front lines, disproportionately impacted. Um, But to go back to brands, I think, you know, there's so much... It can be framed as an opportunity and not a sacrifice, particularly when it comes to sustainability. There's massive space for innovation and also for exciting storytelling, which does this better. And by better, I guess I mean really championing the true heroes of fashion who aren't necessarily the models on which the clothes end up. Uh, being worn but the people who are involved in those processes um, and if I can just share a bit on what Napa, Napa are doing you know they are sharing stories of people like Danielle, who is living in Patagonia and is a regenerative farmer and he works with Nativa and they have Napa have worked with Nativa in collaboration with them to build a 100% sustainable wool collection of knitwear sweaters they're fully traceable They use a QR code so you can literally be connected and see those stories all the way back to the source. Um, And that's super exciting. Brands should be doing that more. You know, there's no sacrifice of quality there. Um, If anything, we're benefiting from better products, better innovation, better design and better storytelling. So it's really exciting. And a compassionate future is one where there, there is incredible fashion and there's an amazing innovation. So there really isn't any sacrifice. And I think we should focus on the, the potential for opportunity here.
0: Definitely. And I think the story you just told us about what Napa Puri are doing. It's, it's exciting because it will mean that the consumer is really excited by that innovation. And then if right. they see another brand that maybe isn't stepping up enough, it gives them the confidence to say, hey, look what these guys are doing. You know, it is possible because it's being done already. So I think it's, it really excites me to see fashion brands that are really taking that next step. Um, amazing, thanks for sharing that, Alice. I'd love to ask all of you a question. It's quite a wide question, so bear with. Um, what does our future look like to you? And it can be within <laughs> your area of work, uh just generally what you would envision it to look like. Um and anybody can jump in first if you if you have your answer prepared.
2: <laughs> Not a small question.
1: No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could go first here. Um I think the root of many of the crises the world is facing right now is the lack of connection or an apathy. Um of where things come from, the source. And maybe this is more specific to the context of fashion. Mm. But I think the project of fast fashion was cutting that tie between consumer and maker. And so I think the future in this space is really about making sure that consumers are asking those questions of where things come from, the impact of that, um, how buying power and the structures of like the dominant fashion model can help cultivate regenerative fashion models agriculture reviving cultural practices and so i think that is what the future should look like for me and it's really exciting to see the ways that brands are championing these conversations and making sure that the realms of sustainable or ethical fashion don't remain niche alternative industries but the new normal
0: i love it the perfect answer Um, (laughs) chloe i'd love to come to you next what what does the future look like to you
3: um, I I could go like three, four, five ways, but I'm going to try and keep it to two <laughs> at least. Um, one concerning my work and one concerning, um, just me as a human being, starting from uh where I'm at as a human being. I think with work, I envision, um, people asking a bit more about where the clothes are ending up, you know, being a bit more. Um, cognizant about the implications of, um, their shopping habits, um, having certain conversations about, um, what drives them to buy new clothes, what drives them to, to, to follow season after season, just really looking inward and also, um, finding your way to connect to how fashion originally was supposed to be you connect with your clothes. It's supposed to be like a second skin, something you step out in and you have connections with and you, it's, it's with you everywhere and you meet, you meet people in it and you interact with people in it. I want people to start embracing clothing um, um, as a part of us and not something that fast fashion has perpetrated to be disposable, that it's just like you could throw anywhere and then be done with it. Um, I envision a future like that where we're acting a bit more I don't. I don't. I don't want to see next ten years, next five years. We're still talking about the same things. We need to be moving forward. We need to be pushing forward in action and working in solid, solidarity with uh, various facets of the conversation. And uh, from a personal um, point of view, I, I want. I want us to be connected again as human beings. I just want us to not separate people from planet. Everything goes hand in hand it's 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 one and not the other and i feel like there is no again there is there is basically one one cannot exist without the other it's 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 one so yeah that's it for me and um, i'm looking forward to that um coming on in the next couple of years
0: i love i love what you said about um connecting with one another again i think so often we we have this idea that the perfect sustainable future or a healthier future is so complicated when really I think what I'm hearing from everybody today is that the answer is actually really simple to reconnect to nature to to understand that they all need to exist in harmony rather than in isolated areas. Alice what does the future look like to you? Now two people have already gone first so you've probably <laughs> run out of a couple of things. Though, but- I was about,
2: I was about to say I really don't think I have anything to add I think there's that was those answers (laughs) were such a gold mine I mean we've spoken about a connection to nature we've talked about disconnection this is a word that's come up time and time again Mm. um but also something that Chloe said I think really resonates with me I think we really and this year has been this for for so many reasons this year I think has made us very aware that we live in broken systems but I think that people feel powerless because they don't they don't feel like there are tangible alternatives and for me that's where it's so important that there's design innovation brands are doing their their bit but we also need to ask ourselves questions this is a time for introspection to ask ourselves why do we have this toxic relationship with the amount of stuff we buy Mm -hmm. like what what is what is going on there right and that's that's a really philosophical spiritual but very very important conversation to have And then, you know, just to go back to connection and storytelling, I think we really need to ask better questions, as both Aditi and Chloe have said. Um, We need to realise that everything is interconnected, that the clothes that I buy in a fast fashion store have an impact on people on the other side of the world. We need to think about that. It's not good enough anymore to not think about that. We have the tools at our disposal disposal to educate ourselves on this. Um, So... We need that sense of interconnectedness. Yes, with each other, with nature, but also a kind of wake up call and a conversation with ourselves of how we can do better by both people and planet. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Agreed, yeah, definitely agreed. Um, it's just going back to basics, I think. Everything that you've all said just then you know, thinking, taking time to go away and think what does compassion look like to me in my daily life? What's accessible for me to channel compassion into? If it's accessible to me for me to change what I'm buying, that's an amazing mm. step to take. If it's accessible for me to channel compassion into the conversations I'm having with people about the climate crisis or things that we can all do in our daily lives, equally holding brands, organizations, government to account, like all of this centers around a lack of compassion that, that people have lost. And I think last year is an amazing opportunity brought with such negativity, but leaving most of us on our own to think about compassion. So I think, yeah, you've all, mm. I, I, I couldn't add anything else. You've all said, summed it up, um, the future is compassion. I know that is the title of the talk, but it is what every single aspect of any industry needs to be centered around. Um, I'd love to thank all of you for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. I think we've talked and opened up some interesting avenues if people are new to the conversation, if they're new to wanting to make change and potentially feeling paralyzed as to not knowing where to start. Um, start with compassion, I think is the conclusion. I think you know, it's a fantastic place to cre- start creating and start to use your imagination so just before we wrap up i just wanted to share that anybody watching here can tune into the last talk um which is the future is traceable and they've got some amazing guests eco resolution and Puri are hosting um i've got a lovely list here fashion revolution know the origin alizide you're on this one as well and uh kate fletcher from the center of sustainable fashion so an incredible lineup where they'll be delving into why traceability is important um and what that looks like in our future but thank you all for joining me today and i hope that everyone watching has learned stuff because i absolutely have so
1: Mm.
3: thank you Gemma. thank you aditi and chloe thank you Thank you, thank you so much